Good evening, and welcome to this year's Shabbos Haggadol Drasha. Tonight is Wednesday night, March 24th, 2021. This is an opportunity for us to gather together, to study together, to learn and be inspired for this upcoming Pesach. I will also try to answer any questions that you have, so feel free at any time to put questions in the chat. I'll look at that at the end. And also, if you want to just speak out questions at the end, I'll be happy to try to answer questions on any area of Pesach that you may have. <clears throat> Our Haggadah comes from the Mishnah, written almost 2,000 years ago. Some was added later, but the structure and most of the text is directly from the Mishnah. And we can see by looking at the Mishnah, how it is presented there, we can see what went into it and what we are supposed to get out of it. So I'd like to share with you first one insight that I heard from Rabbi J.J. Schachter that I believe is particularly important for us this year. So the Mishnah says, we are to tell the story of the Exodus from Egypt. And then we have the paragraph, Rabbi Gamliel Omer, Rabbi Gamliel says, whoever has not mentioned these three things has not filled their obligation. And we mentioned the three things. Then we have the paragraph, in every generation, every year, a person is obligated to see themselves as if I myself am personally going out of Egypt this year. Then we have the paragraph, and therefore, after recalling the miracles God has done for us and all the wonders that God has performed, therefore, we are obligated to thank and to praise God. And we say the first two paragraphs of Hallel, the prayer of praise. Then we're at the end of this section. We have finished Magid telling the story. We are ready to drink the second cup of wine. As soon as we do that, we are going to move from there to eating matzah, marar, the korek sandwich, and then the meal. So we're right at the eating part. And just before we drink the second cup of wine, we have a bracha, a blessing. And this bracha is the conclusion of this entire section. It is the conclusion to telling the story, which is the main mitzvah at the Seder. And there is a dispute in the Mishnah the source over the text of this bracha. Rabbi Tarfan says, the text of the bracha goes as follows. Baruch atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Blessed are you, God, King of the Universe. Asher go'alanu v'go'ales avasenim mitzrayim. Blessed are you, God, who redeemed our ancestors from Egypt and you have allowed us to reach this night to be able to eat matzah and maror. That's the end of the bracha. 
Rabbi Akiva disagrees. He agrees on the beginning of the blessing, but he continues the blessing as follows. After thanking God for redeeming our ancestors from Egypt and allowing us to reach this night, similarly, God, allow us, allow us to reach future holidays and future joyous occasions. And and we will sing a new song to you for our future redemption and for our future salvation. Baruch Ato Hashem, blessed are you God, Goal Yisrael, who redeems Israel. Clearly, Rabbi Tarfan's guests were hungry and restless for dinner, so he had a shorter blessing. Rabbi Kiva's wife said to him, the food was not yet completely hot, so he lengthened the bracha. Okay. But what might be a deeper issue between these two sages expressed in the text of this bracha? So let's start by remembering when they lived. About 1900 years ago, approximately, about a hundred years after the destruction of the Second Temple, the Chorban Bayasheni. They lived during a dark period in Jewish history. You remember how Rabbi Akiva died, tortured by the Romans, just a few years after this incident. They lived during the time when the Beis Hamidrash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, had been destroyed. Jews were dispersed. And remember, unlike after the destruction of the first temple, which was gigantic and horrible in itself, but even before the destruction of the first temple, there were prophecies, numerous prophecies, that it would relatively quickly be rebuilt and the Jews would be ingathered. And we know that that exile only lasted a little bit under a hundred years. Unlike that dispersal, that exile, after the destruction of the second temple, there was no promise of a quick redemption. In fact, it's been almost 2,000 years and we still endure this long, difficult exile. There has been no complete ingathering, although that is happening in our day, but certainly at the time of Rabbi Akiva, things were very dismal. So how do you celebrate past triumph when it's worn out and when things don't look so good? So this is Rabbi Tarfan's opinion. Had he known this quote, this is what he would have said. Dr. Seuss, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it's happened. Rabbi Tarfan didn't know that quote. 
But what he did say is, tell the story of what happened and say Hallel, praise and thank God for what happened in the past. And that is his blessing that is the conclusion of that section. Thanking God and praising God for what happened in the past. Rabbi Akiva understood that a different approach was necessary, particularly then. And I would add even more particularly now. Rabbi Akiva said, yes, we tell the story of the past. And we say, Hallel, praise and thanks to God for the miracles of the past. And let's all recognize the present is difficult. But we can't stop there. There is a future. There is a great, glorious, and exalted future. And so Rabbi Akiva continues the blessing into the future. Just as you provided redemption and salvation in the past, you will provide it in the future. And he concludes the blessing, Baruch Ato Hashem, blessed you God, Goal Yisrael, Goal Yisrael, Redeemer of Israel in the present tense. There is ongoing redemption. It's not only in the past. Rabbi Akiva tells us, even if we are in a bleak present. Hold on to not only the triumphant past, but also to the promise of a glorious future. And that is true for our spiritual redemption. And we are seeing that come alive in our day with the rebuilding and flourishing of Jerusalem and Israel. It's not yet complete, but it's getting closer every day. And it's also true in our physical lives relating to COVID. Yes, danger is still here. Precautions are absolutely necessary. The situation is precarious. Vaccines are a miracle. What we're witnessing is a global effort in size and speed and effectiveness rarely achieved in human history. This Pesach, with our reduced numbers, with our caution and uncertainty and anxiety, Pesach should give us a sense of optimism for the future. The text of the Haggadah itself, we embrace Rabbi Akiva's version of this blessing. And when we do so, that should lead us to hope and to optimism for all the journeys we face, all the deserts we must cross, because there is a promised land on the other side of our desert. Earlier in the Seder, we told the famous story. Maiseb Rebbe Eliezer, Rebbe Yeshua, Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah, Rebbe Kiva, Rebbe Tarfon, Shahi Masubim ben Nebrak. There was a story that one year there was a Pesach Seder, these five rabbis, 
and they decided to hold the Seder in Bnei Brak. <clears throat> Parenthetically, I assume, I don't know this for sure, but I assume that this Bnei Brak mentioned here is not the Bnei Brak that we have today, the suburb of Tel Aviv, because most of the Jewish community was in the northern part of Israel, around Tzvat and Tveria, Tiberias. So I assume that the original Bnei Brak from the Mishnah here was in the northern part of the country, but I don't know for sure. But in any event, they were in, in, in Bnei Brak, and these five rabbis were gathered for the Seder. They told the story of the exodus from Egypt all night long until their students came and said to them, Our masters, the time for reciting the morning Shema has come. Why were they celebrating Pesach in Bnei Brak? Why were they there? The Tosefta, one of our Talmudic sources, tells us Bnei Brak was the home of Rabbi Akiva. Where would these rabbis go specifically for that dark, difficult Pesach Seder? We must go to Rabbi Akiva. And notice, by the way, among the five rabbis who were there is Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Tarfon, who had initially disagreed with Rabbi Akiva over the text of the bracha that we say later in the Haggadah, that year he too realized he needed to be with Rabbi Akiva for that Seder. He needed Rabbi Akiva to remind him of the basis for optimism for the future, especially that year. That year, Rabbi Akiva was the hero of the Pesach story. And this year too, Rabbi Akiva needs to be our Seder hero. I urge you and me, like Rabbi Akiva urged his fellows almost 2,000 years ago, just before we drink the second cup of wine at the Seder, focus on that bracha, focus on the text of that blessing, especially the part that Rabbi Akiva added and internalize its message for our situation right now. Because there is hope. There is room for optimism. And Rabbi Akiva will show us the way. Allow me to continue this theme with another insight into the Haggadah that takes place later at the Seder. This is now after the meal, after drinking the third cup of wine, we open our door. We open our door and we remind ourselves we are still in Gullus. We are still in exile. We open the door for Elio Anavi, Elijah the prophet, who will announce the coming redemption and the coming of Mashiach, the Messianic era, 
to finally end this long, difficult exile. And so far, every year, when we look for him, he is not there. And at that moment of disappointment and the sting of our reality, we say this paragraph, Pour out your wrath, we say to God, to the nations that do not know you, to those who try to devour Israel. Pour out your anger against them and destroy them from the face of the earth. I hear in those words the accumulated bitterness of exile and persecution. The reminder of anti-Semitism, which is tragically alive and flourishing today. Some sources indicate the custom of opening this door at this point in the Seder is to surreptitiously check outside our home to see if those who hate us may have planted something outside our home to cause us trouble. It is a dramatic emotional shift from the triumph of Exodus and the glorious praise of Hallel for redemption, for me, and I think for, for many, it is the emotional low point of the Seder night. So I have to tell you this story. A couple of years ago, we had the privilege to be in Israel for the wedding of my niece. <clears throat> and it was wonderful to be in Israel, to be with family. Celebrating a wedding in Jerusalem is an unforgettable joy and experience. The next night, we were invited to a Sheva Brachos, a dinner celebrating the newlywed couple. The party was hosted by my cousins who live in the old city of Jerusalem, and they held it on the roof of their home. Just multiple layers of joy, the wedding, being together with our family, delicious dinner, just so beautiful, so exquisite. In addition to all that, <coughs> the view was spectacular from their roof because you have a clear view of the entire old city of Jerusalem, the Kotel, and then you see the mountains and the desert of Judea. Magnificent, breathtaking, just unforgettable. And there was something else that came to life for me that night. A scene that is described by my friend, Rabbi Ruven Tradberks, based on an insight into the Haggadah from Rabbi Avigdor Nebenzal. The scene that I saw standing on the roof is that the old city of Jerusalem is 
filled with homes that have a flat roof, used for living, open to the sky, one after the other, the entire city. And I could see, as far as the city extended, rooftop after rooftop, with people enjoying the beautiful Jerusalem evening as we were. And what came to life for me, seeing that gorgeous scene, was a different insight into opening the door at the Seder just after the meal, just after eating the afikomen, just after when the Beit HaMikdash was standing, when the Holy Temple was standing in Jerusalem, we would eat a portion of the Karban Pesach, the Paschal offering, the delicious lamb roasted over an open fire. The Talmud quotes the opinion of Rav that when we have the Karban Pesach, the actual offering, and that is the centerpiece of our meal at the Seder, it must be eaten on the ground floor, not on an upper floor of the home in Jerusalem. The problem is a logistical problem because Jerusalem would be very, very crowded because there's a mitzvah of Aliyah Laregel for every Jewish person to come to Jerusalem for Pesach. So you have every single Jewish person from all of Israel gathered together in Jerusalem. It was crowded. And there wasn't room enough for everyone to be able to eat the Karban Pesach, the, the Seder meal, on the ground floor. It was too crowded. So there would be shifts. As soon as you finished eating the afikoman, which was your portion of this delicious grilled lamb, you would open the door and go upstairs to your roof to say Hallel, the prayers of thanks and praise, and to finish the Seder up on the roof. Imagine what an experience that would be. Literally every rooftop in Jerusalem, side by side, filled with Jews singing Hallel, songs of praise to God. And even today, though it is not yet fully the reality, when you open the door at that moment in Jerusalem, you are transported from the past and even from the imperfect present into imagining the glorious future of Jerusalem's roofs again filled with the ingathered Jewish people, thanking and praising God. And every year it takes less imagination as it comes closer and closer to reality. And even we, here in Montreal, as we open our door this year, looking backward in time, and maybe feeling 
somewhat dismal, we should start to imagine what it will be like in the future, hopefully soon, when that moment will be the most inspiring and glorious future we are rushing to meet. I urge you and I urge me to think about that shift when we open our door at the Seder this year. Finally, I want to share with you one last insight. It's really a suggestion. But it starts with an insight of the Rav, Rabbi Yosef Soloveitchik, a blessed memory. So near the beginning of the Haggadah is a famous paragraph, Halach Ma'anya, this is the bread of poor people, which our forefathers ate in Egypt. And then we say, called Dichven Yesevichel, whoever is hungry, let them come and eat. Called Ditzrich, whoever is in need, come and celebrate Pesach with us. Sounds repetitious. Whoever is hungry, let them come. Whoever is in need, let them come. Why say the same thing twice? Rav Soloveitchik points out that it's not the same thing. That the two phrases are quite different. Called Dichven, whoever is hungry, means a person that does not have food. If you don't have food, Come to us, we have food. Called Ditzrich, whoever is in need, refers to a person who is not lacking food. They may have plenty of food. They're lacking family. They're lacking a home. They're lacking friends to be with at the Seder. They are alone. And so we say to someone who is alone, don't be alone on Pesach. Come celebrate with us. This year, like last year, but hopefully not like next year. This year, many will be ditzrich, in need of company. And currently, we are unable to maximally and correctly invite and gather because protecting lives and protecting health takes priority. But we must do whatever we can legitimately do in advance to help as much as we can certainly between now and the beginning of Shabbos, to call, text, FaceTime, Zoom, especially with those who will be alone this Pesach, to ensure as much as is possible, and it will be insufficient, but to ensure as much as is possible that they will have whatever we can provide, materially, spiritually, and emotionally. I want to add a suggestion to that. If this is possible for you, I did this 
and I found that was helpful to me, maybe it will be helpful to you. Before enduring the high holidays this past year, I was alone for about five weeks. Now, I don't mean in any way to compare myself with others who are alone. I was alone for a short time for the best possible reason. We had a grandson, thank God, born in September in Toronto. And Marcy went to help for about five weeks. I was not lonely because I kept in mind how happy I was that Marcy was helping our daughter and our two grandchildren in Toronto. And by the way, this reflects what I've shared with some of you before, and I shared this last week, and this is applicable to everyone. We can endure almost anything as long as we realize the constructive purpose of it. If you will be alone and you can focus on what you are achieving, keeping yourself and others safe and healthy, which is after all Judaism's highest priority, your experience will be much more positive. But I was alone and I very much enjoyed a digital photo frame. We have and we'd never use, but I filled it with photos and I kept it on, especially over Yom Tov. I found it very comforting. I found it very, very comforting to see the images of our family one after the other. And so I share that suggestion in the hope it may help you as it helped me. My friends, I want to wish every single one of you a very safe, healthy, happy, and inspiring Passover. If you have not yet received the vaccine, I urge you to do it as soon as it is available to you. It is an extremely important mitzvah to do. I want to wish you a wonderful evening, a great Shabbos, and a fantastic Pesach.